We Turned Out Okay is a show about children and families. You get to see into the mind of a child development expert, and you'll learn tons about kids and why they do what they do. It's for grown-ups, so it's not always G-rated. But it's almost always PG. And we'll let you know when it's PG-13 or higher. Also, you can expect some rabbit holes and detours. But we return to the topic at hand. Besides, rabbits are awesome. What have you got against rabbits? Anyway, sit back, relax, and prepare to learn about how to stay sane while raising your little kids. Enjoy the show! Come on, guys! We turned out okay. The modern parent's guide to old school parenting. I want to hang upside down from the swing set. Welcome to We Turned Out Okay with host Karen Locke Cole. I want to climb to the top of that tree. And now, here's your host, Karen Locke Cole. Hello, and welcome to We Turned Out Okay. This is episode 309 of the show that helps you change your child's behavior from bad to good, feel happy inside, and truly enjoy family time. I am Karen Locke Culp. I'm the host of this show, and I am the creator of WeTurnedOutOK.com as well, where there's a whole bunch of uh, good resources for you if you are a parent of a young child and sometimes just don't know where to turn. Turn, turn, turn to me. <laughs> I've got lots of good stuff over there. And welcome to the show. I'm really glad you're here today and listening. I'm excited for this episode. We actually recorded this several months ago, Sunny and I. My guest today is a wonderful woman named Sunny Galt, who is, she's, she's a mom and she's also a broadcasting uh, professional. So she's worked in, in television. She's worked in podcasting uh, most recently. And you'll hear us talk about this today. She she has been creating a show called Revive Live, which um, which was a very fun show. And um, I, I, don't, I don't know if the project is permanently on hold, but since our conversation, Sunny has made the decision to put that project on hold and go into another area, which is um, they're going to incorporate the Parents On Demand podcast network. They're going to incorporate that into a different, larger podcasting network that that Sunny is part of and creating. So, um so this is a neat one because like you'll get to hear what it's like. I called it where life takes you because when we got started talking, I really had no idea what we would sort of end up talking about and our conversation went went in different directions than I had ever thought it could. It goes very long. Um and I wanted to keep it all in there because I thought that it, it would interest you to find out like how she got where she did get to. <laughs> so um, so I will go through this uh, pre-show as quickly as possible to get you to that. Um, so the first thing I want to tell you about is the Magic Words for Parents, which this is the last Magic Words for Parents of 2019. They take place in the We Turned Out Okay Facebook group, which you can get to just by clicking the, actually just looking down in your podcatcher. And um, you'll find you'll find the link to get to the group there. You can join the group and you can hear this one, which in if you're listening in real time, took place yesterday called Letting Go to Be Happy in Life. And um, I, I tried, I decided to link it with this episode because I loved this idea. A lot of what Sunny talks about is like, you know, and then this happened. And so then I went there <laughs> and she, she frames it in a way that, uh, I think you'll like listening to and and it made me think of like how important it really is to kind of let go 
sometimes of the of the uber control we are trying to have and and how things can go in a better direction when we do that. So that's the magic words for parents. Uh, the parenting news that I usually do at this point in a show is on hold until it will be returning after the first of the year. I am creating a format change for We Turned Out Okay. And I've heard from some of you, uh, it's not... I don't want you to worry. <laughs> it's not a format change in the sense of the podcast isn't going away. Um, it's not even going to be in decreasing frequency. We're going to we're going to stick with Tuesdays once a week. But uh, I am planning some format changes, which you will hear more about as the weeks go on, and um, especially you'll experience them in just a few weeks because uh, the new year starts very soon. The new decade starts very soon. Woo. Um, and so I did want you to be aware that there is this format change, but I'm incorporating parenting news into it because I think this is really important. But I had felt like these pre-shows and breaks were getting a little bit ungainly. I was spending uh, a lot more time in the pre-show or the break than I wanted to, and and it felt distracting to me. And if it felt distracting to me, I'm sure it felt that way to you. So, uh, so that's why we made that change. Everything's going to be good. I think. I, I think. I hope you'll be happy with the format changes. Um, and as I said, we're, we're, there's not going to be any less frequent shows. Um, everything is still in place. <laughs> so no worries about that. So uh, one of the things that's still in place is I do this weekly newsletter, weekly parenting newsletter, I call it. It comes out every Wednesday. And last week, I started a series. Uh, what It was really interesting how this happened. I started to feel like a tremendous failure. Uh, I started to feel like I wasn't hitting my marks in terms of writing and bringing good things to you. Like I had a plan that basically that I would uh, take the audiobook world by storm in 2019 in the last quarter of it. And I've gotten some, I've made some headway there, but I haven't really been able to do, to accomplish what I wanted to accomplish. And both professionally and personally, I was starting to feel like a failure. So I decided maybe I'm not the only one who feels like this at the end of the year. So I'm doing a, it's actually two, two-part series. So the first one is on what to do when you feel like a failure sort of mindset and and tips. And then uh, weeks three and four, well, I will leave weeks three and four um, to talk about next time because I'm excited. I, I feel like... Uh, I'm just going to keep it a surprise for a little longer. I hope you'll enjoy this one. So part two of this first part, you know, identifying when you feel like a failure and doing something about it, I called it the bend in the road, which if you read last week's, you will understand why. Um, you can you can look right down in your podcatcher to find last week's. And um, if you want to sign up so that you can hear the bend in the road, um, which is really a kind of about how to recover from this feeling of failure. You should go to weturnedoutok.com slash weekly, or again, just super easy. Just click the link in the show notes. And um, it is, the link is called weturnedoutok.com slash weekly. So easy to find. Um, I really wanted you to be able to get this and it's right down in your podcatcher. So um, if you just scroll down a little bit, you will find it. And then you'll, you'll have the links to both part one and also, uh, when the new one comes out tomorrow, if you're listening in real time, Wednesday, December the, I believe, 18th, you'll have that too. So thank you so much for all of your emails and um, and just your, I've gotten a lot of like, keep going, you're doing great kind of emails since I sent out this one about feeling like a failure. Usually they're not quite this personal, the newsletters. I mean, they they always include some sort of personal 
uh, note or idea or whatever. But this one was, was, I basically wasn't even sure about doing it. Um, I wrote it because I just, I was wondering if you were also feeling this way. And I just got back so many nice, like, letters of encouragement and like, we've got you and, and, you know, hang in there kind of things. And um, it just, I really, really, really appreciate that. So thank you very, very much. Um, And thank you also for sharing about the show. Uh, When you do that, when you, when you, for example, take this link, copy it and send it to a friend or text it to a friend who might be in need of the kind of stuff that we do here, we turn out, okay, that feels really amazing. And so thank you very much when you do that. Um, Thank you for subscribing. That way you never miss an episode. Even sometimes I do bonus episodes. And so they show up right in your feed and you can do that little happy dance that we do when a show that we love shows up in our feed. And thank you also for your positive reviews. I promise I'm going to read some <laughs> at some future point. Today's episode seemed a little long for that, but um and I will plus I wanted to get you into into listening to Sunny as soon as possible. So, uh the last thing I need to do here is talk about our amazing sponsor. So Janine Halloran has been a friend of the podcast uh for years. She uh, was actually one of my first guests. She was one of the sort of from those first few months of the podcast being in existence. And she's a licensed mental health counselor. Um, she works with kids all the time and and helps them learn coping skills. And she's created an incredible product, actually several incredible products that I know that you're going to absolutely love. And in a few minutes, you're going to hear Janine and I having a short conversation about that because uh, I love having a sponsor who's up for coming on the show and talking about what she does and why she does it. And so you'll get to hear that very soon. I'll share more about that in a moment. Janine's sponsorship pays for production, editing, and web hosting for We Turned Out Okay. But before we get to that, my time in creating this show is supported by the members of our Ninja Parenting community. I teach Ninja parents how to get good behavior from their children, how to handle their toughest parenting struggles, how to feel in tune with their children and enjoy family time for real. And this week, what we are doing to... uh, to address all of those things is we're having one of every every month we have two live parents, live members only calls. And so if you are a member of the Ninja Parenting community and you're listening, um, this week we've got one. It's coming up Thursday night, Eastern Standard Time at 7 p.m. Uh, and um, if you've got a question or if you just want to join in for the fun of being there live, um, that's awesome. If you don't want to be there live, if you can't, for example, be there live, these are in perpetuity in the Ninja Parenting community. So you've always got them to go back to. I love it. And this has been happening frequently lately where uh, a member will, one of you wonderful Ninja Parents will post a question in the replies and then I read it out during the call and I and I share some advice for you. And um, there's such wonderful like give and take and conversation. And it's just, it's a, it's a really great place. So if you are not yet, if you are a member of the Ninja Parenting community, then definitely try to be there for our live call or utilize it in whatever way works for you. There are 52 of these now. I think that's pretty crazy and cool. Um, and counting, we're going to keep doing them. And uh, I lost my train of thought. Uh, if you are not a member of the Ninja Parenting community, go to weturnedoutok.com slash join NPC to become one. All right. I am going to bring you into um, uh, my short conversation with Janine Halloran, our sponsor, before we get to our big conversation, our long conversation today with Sunny Galt. Okay, here we go. I am here 
here with Janine Halloran, our awesome sponsor um, and the creator of some incredible resources that I'm very, very excited to talk with her about so that you can hear about the creation of. Uh, in particular, we're going to talk about an activity book that Janine has recently written. And um, it, it is uh, in I have holding it in my hands and it is just the most beautiful uh, activity book. And I think not only beautiful, but but super, super helpful. And today it is called Processing Feelings. And so I'm sure that a listener can figure out, you know, this is going to be about uh, worry, anxiety, like how to help our kids when they're feeling overwhelmed, how to help our, our children come through those feelings. And I'm really interested because Janine, there is a subheading here that I wanted to kind of get into a little bit in depth in these in these few moments. And it is this, Polly and Paul, who are the characters um, in this particular activity book, and also in the processing uh, Cope and Cue Cards deck, Polly and Paul cope better when they understand how their thoughts and feelings work. And I wondered if you would just share a little bit about that, uh, that sentence, that subheading, and, and how uh, it can be helpful. Yeah, absolutely. So the thing as a therapist, you know, I, a lot of the work that I've done in creating the coping cue cards and the processing feelings, it's based on work that I've done with kids in therapy and with my own children as a mom. And one of the things that I found and has been that has been studied and shown, you know, when kids understand how they are thinking, what they are thinking, what they are feeling, once you are able to understand it and you can name it, then it's easier to be able to figure out what to do to, to control it, to manage it. Um, Dr. Dan Siegel talks about you name it to tame it. Mm -hmm. And I love that. And so the, that's how I think about processing feelings is you are, I'm trying to help kids to be able to figure out how to name their thoughts, how to name their feelings, and then be able to tame it. And this is something that we've discussed on the show. Um, I would love to link to, I'm going to link to episode... I believe it was 301, uh, which is you and me talking. No, not sorry, not 301, 201. You were in episode 300, and that was a, that was a really super fun one. But episode yeah. 201, uh, we talk a lot about big feelings because that was really the kind of the first time that I had heard that expression. And um, a lot of these feelings that come up in here are big feelings. And and then I also just wanted to, I love that you have a quote in the very first pages of this book, you have a quote from Fred Rogers. Would you like to read that? Or would you like, do you remember what that one is? Or would you like me to share it from the book? <laughs> you know what? It's been in my brain so much recently that I actually just have it. Right. I mean, it's not very long, but it's no. uh, feelings are mentionable and manageable. And um, I just recently watched that um Fred Rogers documentary. And I just got so enamored of this quote. I keep putting it everywhere, <laughs> including yeah. in the Processing Feelings book. So, And I felt the same way reading, I'm uh, sorry, watching um, watching that Fred Rogers documentary, which I did on your recommendation. And I, I heard like we had recently talked about that. And when I, when I was watching it, you hear him say, feelings are mentionable and manageable. Um, and I was just like, hey, this is the... <laughs> This is what Janine talks about. This is the thing. Um, yeah, there's so much good, so much good feelings for me that that comes up um, just in talking with you, but also in in looking at the the activities in this book. And um, and I know that listeners are going to get a ton out of it. So if you are listening, know this: you can go to copingskillsforkids.com/slash okay. That's okay. And use coupon code OK, also OKAY in all caps, to get 15% off of your order. Um, and the, the uh, what you'll find on that page.
page are not is not just this activity book, but all the coping cue cards decks, which we have talked about in past sponsorship kind of uh, little sections of of we turned out okay. Um, but go there and check them out. There's so much good and useful information, and and um, these resources are incredibly helpful. So so everybody, you ought to do that. Thank you so much, Janine, for for coming on and talking with us about uh, about this beautiful book. Thank you, Karen. All right, on with the show. guest today is doing some really cool things, both in parenting and in podcasting. She comes from a broadcast journalism background, winning awards for her work in that space before becoming curious about podcasting. She started her very first podcast, which has such a great name, Anchor in PJs in 2012. And since then, she's gone on to create not, only, not just several more podcasts, such as the Revive Live show, but a whole entire podcasting network. She's also raising four kids and she leads an insanely busy life, which encompasses work, family, and everything that all those bring with them. And as she says, she wouldn't trade it. She is blessed. And so are we to have her on the show today. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sunny Galt. Welcome, Sunny. <laughs> Thank you, Karen. It's great to be on your show. Oh, it's so great to have you. I, I've been, um, I've known you now for... Oh, probably a couple of years because uh, one of the women who's been on my show a couple times um, and is just a delight and a wonderful person to have in the world and an author is Audrey Monkey, who is who is she has one of the podcasts on your network. She does. Audrey does Sunshine Parenting. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that. I actually there's a new one. We're recording this in September. And there's the, the latest episode. It looks like that's up on her show is a kind of a roundtable of the counselors in training um, that she had at her camp because Audrey runs summer camps and, or she runs she's the director of a summer camp. And um it sounds like what they're talking about, these 16, 17 year old people are talking about like parenting. And and I just <laughs> I'm fascinated. I cannot wait to hear that, uh, that episode. And I actually saw that at, at parentsondemand.com, your your network um, awesome. just today. So when I um, when I, I guess when I started to sort of do the research for this and, and I, I knew I was going to have you on the show and I was very excited, I I had been on Revive a couple times mm-hmm. and um, it's a five, that is a five day live, uh, recorded live podcast, well, well, show that eventually becomes a podcast. And we were just talking about this before we hit record. When I first found out that you did it five days a week, I just, I was like, it melted my brain. <laughs> <laughs> And then I learned that you ha- you come from a broadcast journalism background, so that yeah. makes a lot of sense. Yeah, you know what what's yeah. it what is it like in that world? Like what was what was uh, what is your education and what you know what was broadcast journalism like as a career? Yeah, you know, I, I guess I have to start a little bit before school. Um, I'm now 41 years old. Mm-hmm. And growing up, I, I came from a family that was pretty much obsessed with communication, whether it was having a video camera. My dad had one of the first video cameras. Um, I think our first one didn't even include sound. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So my dad had uh, video cameras growing up and my mom was always taking pictures of me. So I was never very shy in front of a camera and kind of learned at an early age 
you know, how to interact with people. And um, that was just kind of my life growing up. And so because my dad was into technology and he had these video cameras around the house, I would start recording myself. And this is way before social media and YouTube and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, you know, if you turn on YouTube, you know, you'll see, you know, people doing like funny music videos and stuff. I was doing that at age seven and eight with my girlfriends. And, you know, there really wasn't editing equipment or anything like that. I was just having fun. And, you know, so you could see at an early age, I was doing the video work. And then I was also kind of obsessed with sound as well. Um, I have a background in dance. My mom was taking me to dance class. And so um, I, you know, was obsessed with choreography. And then I, you know, would edit sound, you know, our, our, our pieces together, you know, the, the uh, music that we were dancing to. So at a ver- very early age, I think my parents and I could see that I was going to go the communication route. And I didn't know what that looked like um, because media at the time, you're, you know, you're talking about the 90s, really, right? Mm-hmm. Media at the time looked very different than it does today. And I knew I had an interest in that. And so when I went to school, um, I originally started taking communication classes and I learned really quickly that the communication class was more like the theory behind communication. And I, I quickly became bored with that. And so I went up to one of my professors and I was like, this isn't really what I thought it was going to be. I, I want to know more about like the journalism side of stuff and, and, and how to work a camera and how to, you know, the professional side of all of that. And they're like, oh yeah, you totally belong in journalism. You, you know, you don't belong in communication. So thankfully I learned that my freshman year. So I didn't waste a lot of time. And then really, um, I spent most of my time doing journalism classes. Um, That's what I ended up majoring in. I had a, (laughs) my, let's see, in my junior year, um, I realized that the program that I was in wasn't like the top-notch journalism program. In fact, um, I went to school at Ohio State. Mm -hmm. That's where my family and I are originally from. And they were even in talks of closing their program because um, they didn't think that they could commit enough resources to it and and the school had other priorities. And I thought, man, I don't want to get a degree from a school that's no longer going to be offering the degree, that's not going to look good. Right. Yep. Um, So I made the difficult decision my junior year to transfer schools. So I transferred from Ohio state to Ohio university. Ohio university has a really top notch journalism school. So I ended up graduating from Ohio university, um, went to summer school to make up for the extra classes that I knew, you know, whenever you transfer, you end up losing some stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. that I did graduating in four years. Um, and I had my first job in, I I think three days after graduation, I started my first job and that was at a television station in the Northern part of Michigan. Uh, Like when you think of Michigan, most people just think of like the lower half, but there's a whole upper half, the upper peninsula, they call it of Michigan. And that's like right next to Canada. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. My first job was a few, started a few days after graduation. Um, but I started out at age, let's see, I would have been 22 and I was a main news anchor at the TV station. Um, yeah. And I had a two year contract there and that's really what launched the broadcast side of my career. Oh my goodness. This is so like, so it's such an interesting journey. Uh, you know, you start the first, the, one of the first things that you said was that your family was obsessed with communication. Yeah. And 
I love that what you've done with that basically is figured out like you you didn't need the theory you were fine with <laughs> you knew how to do that right yeah. um it wasn't so much the the kind of the the thing that interested you the theory yeah. it was more like how do i how do i foster communication you know how do i how do i bring that um right. and i just just as an aside I just finished a book. So first of all, my mother-in-law was raised in Michigan. So I, I have heard of the Upper Peninsula. And actually, I oh, cool. coming from okay. Canada, I, I knew that as well. Like we've crossed, you know, from uh, from Canada into uh, into the U.S., not quite on the Upper Peninsula, as I think about it. But I, I've knew, I knew of its existence. And then um, I just finished a book a couple of months ago called Grown Up Anger by a guy who's actually been on We Turned Out Okay named Daniel Wolf. He came on because he wrote this another a book that just blew my mind um, called How Lincoln Learned to Read. And it was about the formative experiences of of many people in our country and like how they learned what they needed to know to grow up and become the people that they eventually became. So Rachel Carson, Ben Franklin, um, mm. Sojourner Truth, Elvis Presley, really, really, really interesting. And all these, so he sort of takes all these different parts of life with, with um, how Lincoln learned to read. So I'm going to link to that conversation with him. And um, I'm also going to link to this other book, which is called Grown Up Anger. And it is about, it gets into the, um, not just the geography of the Upper Peninsula, but the the uh, the people who worked in those coal mines and oh, yeah. um, the people who tried to unionize and like he links it all back to music and particularly Bob Dylan and um, Woody Guthrie. I mean, it's fascinating. I've been like, should I? I just want to talk to him about this book. Is there a good reason for me to get him back on the show? But, the, <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's not. I mean, it's like a whole. It's not a. That's about sort of music and like history and and not so much about how to help parents in their day-to-day lives with their kids, right? So, um, but I'm going to link to the book anyway, because if anybody is interested in reading it, um, even if it, even if it doesn't have anything to do with raising your kids, it still is an absolutely fascinating book. So, um, so, so it was really interesting to learn about the geography of the Upper Peninsula. But then the other thing that comes up for me is there's hardly anybody there. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and, and so what was it like for you to go from, um, from like a, a university setting where there's just so many people to now you're, you know, an anchor at a, a, a station where there's there's not as many people. Was it interesting? Right. <laughs> oh, very interesting. Very interesting to say the least. I think it helps um, when you're first starting out in your career, if you're the first place or the first couple places you work have young people like you that are in the same boat mm-hmm. because that's really what kept all of us going. I mean, none of us were making a ton of money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it was our first job out of college. But the, you know, the other anchors and reporters at the TV station, I mean, we had a couple that will, you know, what I call grown-ups. <laughs> you know, we had a couple yep. people that were more established, right? That had been there a long time. The Upper Peninsula was their home. But for most of us, um, for most of us, it was our first job and we were just kind of taking, you know, um, it was a good stepping stone for us. We knew we were going to be there for a couple of years. That's what my contract was. My contract was yep. for two 
years. And, um, but it was very helpful to have other people like that. And so we had our station and we were an NBC affiliate. And I believe there was an ABC affiliate up there as well. And it was the same thing at that station. There were, um, you know, I'll call them kids because, you know, we were kids. Yeah. I mean, just the year prior, we were, you know, going to fraternity and sorority parties, yeah. right? And yeah. now we're like on TV um, giving people the news. Yeah. And so um, I think that definitely helped. We all bonded together and we were kind of in it, you know, um, all experiencing the same kind of thing. So, it, you, you know, what was really interesting about that time in my life and what really set things up for me later in life is when you work at these really small TV stations, you do everything, mm -hmm. right? I mean, there is no passing off things to your producer or having your editor work on your show. It is, you know, we started out first thing in the morning, we would have our morning news meetings. Everyone had to come to the table with three story ideas, um, one of which you were probably going to pursue that day, right? Wow. Um, huh. We were expected to like go out in the community, like talk to people, see what's happening in the community. And again, we're like 22, 23 years old, um, trying to figure all this stuff out in a place that we've never lived before. We were all transplants pretty much. Um, and so you really had to learn to think on your feet. And then once your producer or the news director, assistant news director approved your idea, okay, that was just the first step. Then you got to make it all happen. So who are your sources? You know, um, luckily we had Marquette University up there. So a lot of our sources ended up coming from um, a university, which is really helpful. That's you awesome. Know, yeah. If you're talking about the economy, you can get an economics professor, you yeah. know, to talk about, you know, what's happening with the economy. So that was definitely helpful. Um, but sometimes, you know, you, you didn't have that much direction and you would just, I remember this one time um, I was covering a a fire that had happened and you know again 23 maybe 24 at that time years old they just said go out go out to where the fire was this fire devastated this home um and and talk to neighbors and i was like okay like i wasn't necessarily you know i mean i'm a woman obviously right and i'm going okay so i'm just gonna go knock on doors what am i doing here but you know you you were assigned a car no one drove you anywhere and you sometimes would have to drive 30 minutes or even an hour to get to your location then you're parking the car that you know we were tv6 so it had this big tv6 nbc peacock logo whatever uh -huh. all over it right yep. And then I, I remember parking the car and going, okay, I'm in front of this house that is burned down. What am I going to do? Because they, they didn't know. They had heard that somebody um, had rescued some people out of it, but the guy was unknown. And, and so I'm just trying to, I mean, you're kind of an investigative reporter at that point, yeah, right? You're yeah. just trying to put the clues together. You know, the police are trying to figure this out. And here I am, this 23, 24-year-old reporter trying to figure this out as well. And this guy happened to drive down the street and he said, hey, what are you doing there? And I'm like, oh, you know, I'm trying to figure out what happened. Um, I heard there was a guy that, that helped, you know, some people get out of this building. And he's like, yeah, that was me. I'm like, what? Wow. <laughs> so I'm like, can I talk to you? And so he got out of his car and he told me the whole story. Probably one of the best stories I've ever done. But I remember being so nervous because I'm like, how, you know, you only have a few hours to put this stuff together. Because if you factor in the drive time and, you know, you don't know what you're going to get when you're out there. Yep. Right. Yep. 
So yeah. you got to kind of figure that out. You don't know really how long your piece is going to be because you don't know how many people are going to actually talk to you. So then that's a big question mark. And then, you know, usually we would call back to the, the, the TV station to talk to the producer and be like, this is what I got. I'm on my way back. You drive back. You got to go through your footage. You know, then you've got to, at that point, we were so early in our careers that our scripts had to be approved before we could start editing. So we would have to have the assistant news director or the news director, which were the more established journalists in the building. Yeah. We would have to have them proof everything, right? So then somebody had to proof it. And then you had to go into the editing booth, right? And all this, you know, had to be done before the six o'clock news. Wow. And so um, what that taught me was to think quickly on my feet, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, you just you just never knew what was going to come your way, and you just had to adapt. I think those were really strong lessons in general in life to learn, and I'm glad I learned them at such a young age. And the, you know, the other thing that comes across for me, this is a couple of times as you've been talking, is um, so when you were young and you would pick up a video camera, yeah, I I feel very sure that um, these were not the easiest things to sort of learn how to use and use right like like cameras and and things like that use you, you had to think about the light and you had to think maybe you weren't when you were seven but yeah. um it, it it wasn't as simple as it is now where where things are automated and like it will give you the right amount of light and it will it will refocus for you and it will do all these things um and then you talk again so you're just fearlessly picking up this stuff that i think would daunt others you know what i mean because yeah. you're sort of you're you've been raised in this milieu where there is just all of this yeah. technology and it's all you, you know that you don't you don't you're not raised with a sort of unhealthy fear of like shutting the whole thing off because right. you pushed the wrong button or something like that and, and you had a chance right. to learn and make mistakes and it was fine you know and then yeah. the same thing happens you go you go to work and you're expected to know how to do every single aspect of this and yeah. so you 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 rose to that challenge and you did it and and don't you think that there's something to be said in there for um it, do you think that that prepared you in any way for becoming a parent for becoming a mom oh my gosh yeah rolling with the punches and just um embracing the moment i remember one time yeah. um specifically when i was in the upper peninsula i'd been there like a year and a half and you know you, you hear about sad seasonal effectiveness disorder, I think it's what it's called, right? And people getting upset when there's so much snow because up there, I mean, again, you're right there next to Canada. The The last year that I was in Marquette, um, we had over 300 inches of snow that year. And wow. so you're talking about a winter wonderland to say the least, right? And it would create this, um, this situation where it almost became you know, they would they would go through with the the machines, you know, the snow plows and stuff, and they would try to pack the snow down. But what that created was almost like a freezer effect where the snow took, I mean, it was into like late May before the snow even melted, right? And wow. so um, you know, you would get all this snow and stuff. And so I I enjoyed the sunshine and and things like that. And so I, we got to a point where I was just a little bit depressed. I'm like, you know, I was calling my mom back home and going, listen, I mean, work's going well, but I just, I feel sad. I really do. Like, I feel like I, I need more sunshine. I need something. Um, and I, yeah, I just kind of got a little bit depressed with everything. And mm -hmm. she told me, she's like, you have to, like, she's like, I know you're not exactly where you want to 
be right now, but really try to embrace this moment, this season, if you will, that you're in. Because there are some, you know, you're, you're going to tell stories about this place for years. And she's absolutely <laughs> right. You know, we're yeah. talking about it now. Yeah. No, and then those 20 whatever years ago. Um, and so um, I think that's a good metaphor for, for parenting to really enjoy the moment that you're in, even though it's extremely difficult, because someday you may wish you were back in that moment. You yeah. know, my kids are still pretty young. I have, um, I have a nine-year-old, um, I have an eight-year-old, and then I have twins that are uh or, or sorry, nine, seven, and five. They mm-hmm. change ages, and then I forget. I but <laughs> it's like, wait a minute, are you? I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, you turned a year older. Um, and so, like, I remember, you know, just a few years ago, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so difficult, and you know, can we just get through this season? And then, even now, I look back and go, you know, at pictures, and I'm like, oh, remember when this happened? And now, you know, he doesn't want to spend as much time with us. Now he's more into his games or his yeah. friends. And so, um, yeah, so I, I definitely learned a lot up there. And, and I think there were a lot of parenting lessons. Yeah. I mean, back then, you know, if you'd asked me, I'd been like, how does this relate to parenting? But yes, hindsight. But you can see now. Yeah. Sure. yeah. Yeah. And what you were saying, too, is reminding me of my mom. Um, my mom used to uh, talk about like when when I was in sort of in my 20s and uh, before I met my husband, when I was, you know, not exactly the party queen, but like I really enjoyed going out and being with friends and and and, you know, just being in that moment was was a, it was a very, very fun season for me. And my mom used to say, um, you need to enjoy this because, you know, when the day comes along that you've got three kids and you're feeling like a stuffed zucchini. <laughs> These are the <laughs> these are the sort of experiences that you're going to look back on and remember, and that is so true. Like I, I've got friends. Um, I have been very, very fortunate to have a, a really strong group of friends from high school. And uh, a few weeks ago, one of our kids celebrated their birth. Actually, three of our kids celebrated their birthdays, and every year a friend of mine has a party to celebrate that. And um, we've now got this picture of the of the four of four of me me and three of my closest friends holding a picture of us from 30 years ago. <laughs> like, it, oh, awesome. you know, and it's just like, wow. And I never realized I was having so much fun then, right? But I never realized that that those were the sort of memories that would keep me going even today. And to still have that connection with those people is also something that's just been super, super helpful. So, you know, I totally relate to that because I have a group of girlfriends from high school and it's the exact same thing. Oh, I, really? I live thousands of miles away from them. But whenever I go back, you know, to Ohio to, to visit friends and family, they're there. Oh. And we just pick up where we left off. And, so, and I think you're right. I think that that is so special um, to be able to have those kind of friendships. I don't know very many people that have been able to hold on to that, but it's something that's very dear to me. You're the only other person that I've spoken to who has that. Yeah. Like literally anybody yeah. I tell is like, wow, you know, I most of my friends are from college or, or you know, or some uh, other time of life. But it's really, really rare to, to find someone else who's got a group of friends like this. So that's really, really cool. I think. Well, and all of those friends I did those crazy videos with, I was telling you about. So maybe there's <laughs> something to that. <laughs> maybe those were your like, um, your, your sort of bonding moments that, that kept you all together. Right. So how did you go from, I'd love to start talking about like, you know, becoming a parent. I especially, I'm so excited to hear about the anchor in PJ's podcast, but how did you, how did you go from sort of anchoring in, in the upper peninsula to kind of starting a family? What was that? What was that like for you? Yeah. So my job after 
Marquette in Michigan was in Washington state. Mm -hmm. And I purposely was trying to see as much of the country as possible. I, I did a lot of travel with my parents as a kid. And I thought that was one, you know, one of the cool things about my job is that when you change TV, TV stations, you know, you could be in a totally different place in, you know, the country, you know? Yeah. And so I purposely wanted to get around to as many places as I could. I really thought that was going to be my career path, that I was going to stay in news. And I, I really did enjoy it and um, provided a lot of opportunity, like I said, the travel and stuff. But my, my next job was in Washington State. And, you know, it, it was so interesting because um, I never would have gotten that job in Washington State if it weren't for me changing universities. Remember how I said yeah. I was at Ohio State and I went to Ohio University. The reason being, remember when I said they were thinking about closing down our broadcast journalism program? Um, one of the people that were part of, uh, they basically had an advisory panel that uh, was comprised of local TV people that reviewed the program and then was going to make a recommendation to the school if they should keep the program or not, if it was good enough or what they were going to have to invest in the program in order to keep it going. Mm -hmm. One of the people that were part of that panel ended up being my general manager at this at uh, the Washington State uh, TV station. Whoa. Yes. And so it was so interesting. So I went out to interview for the job. They flew me out there and I was talking to him. And after they decided to give me the job, the general manager told me, he said, you know, he revealed, you know, that he was part of that group that made the decision at Ohio State to, for them, for Ohio State to cancel their broadcast journalism program. And he said, Sonny, if you had stayed at Ohio State and hadn't made the decision to change universities and go to Ohio University, I never would have hired you. Wow. And to me, that was the vindication because it, it was, you know, going back a little bit, it, it was difficult. You know, I had a, a whole group of friends at Ohio State. I was part of a sorority. I was on the Ohio State dance team. Like I was very much involved and had a ton of school spirit still to this day. I consider <laughs> Ohio State my alma mater. Yeah. Um, and so it was very, very difficult decision for me to uh, up, you know, and leave everything and my senior year to go to a different university. But I knew my career was so important to me. I knew I had to do it if I, if I wanted to really pursue, um, the journalism route. Yeah. And so for me, that was complete vindication. I was like, Oh, thank you. I knew, I, I knew I'd made the, the right decision when he told me that. So I ended up in Washington state. And then at that point, um, I was out there a couple years. I actually had a three-year contract. It was another NBC affiliate. I was the main news anchor. And I also did some reporting and, um, I started dating my husband. Um, I think I was there a couple years before I started dating my husband mm -hmm. and my husband and I are actually from the same hometown. That's a whole other story. Whoa, that's wild. I know. And we started dating long distance and he was down here in San Diego where we live now. Oh. And so, um, we started dating long distance and that was a little crazy, you know, plane trips to see each other I'm and then sure. we could spend yeah, a couple days together or whatever. We we didn't date at all in high school. I knew of him. He was really popular and he's a couple years older than me. So, you know, you always know the upperclassmen. Yes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's upperclassmen that don't usually know the younger people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, yeah, so we started dating long distance and then we got engaged. Um, I think we were only dating about six months. It was one of those things that I knew right away, you know? Yeah. You know? Yep. That's um, so, can I just say that's exactly, yeah. well, it's exact, except for the plane trips, it is how my husband and I started as well. We didn't, not that we went to the same school, but yeah. um, 
I met him at the graduation party of a mutual friend. And it turns out that he he and this friend had been friends since they were in elementary school. And my husband at the time was living in Boston. And I was in graduate school a couple hours away at UMass Amherst, University of, University of Massachusetts. And every single weekend, either I would go to him or he would come to me. And then, um, and, and you know, we we... As soon as we met, as soon as I shook his hand, I was like, this is it. Um, and it did take, it was two years later on the same day, because it was on my it was on my grandfather's 80th birthday that we met, and then it was on his 82nd birthday that we got married. Um, <laughs> and just the whole, like, I, I was like, I, this is amazing. Like, I'm not missing out on this just because we don't live in the same place. And um, right. it had that same feel of like, I, I know. <laughs> In fact, yep. my mother, if I could just share a little bit more, my mother was really pissed off because I was supposed to go. Well, I after I had RSVP'd in the positive to this weekend long graduation party where I was going to get to spend all my time with my, you know, all this time with college buddies and stuff like that. Um, my mom was like, oh, you're coming to Montreal because I'm from Canada. You're coming to Montreal for, for your grandfather's 80th birthday, right? And I was like, nope. And she was really <laughs> mad at me. And um, when we talked the week after, she said, well, how was your party? And I said, I said, I actually met the man I'm going to marry. <laughs> I said, oh his my. name's Ben Culp. You better get used to it. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you so, like the name. Yeah. Yep. So she was so funny because she was like, well, OK, then. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, what is she going to say to that, right? Yeah, I mean, her yeah, daughter found yeah. her husband. She really, and I know, mean, to her much. credit, she she uh, she immediately was like, okay, there's a reason why she didn't go to this part. Like, it wasn't, it, she stopped being upset about it and was finally like, oh my God, that is super cool. <laughs> so, yeah, that's great. So anyway, yeah. so so you, you meet, you get engaged. Yeah, we got engaged and uh, we were still, um, while we were engaged, it was still long distance. So we ended up getting married back in Ohio where we're both from. Mm -hmm. And so after, I think I ended up moving my stuff down to San Diego before we got married. And then I flew back to Ohio to plan the wedding. And so my husband was still in San Diego. I was in Ohio planning the wedding where the wedding was going to take place. And then after, you know, we did our honeymoon and all that kind of stuff. And then, um, and then I was in San Diego and it was very intimidating because I had gone from, so in, in, in the television industry, everything's according to your market size, right? So uh -huh. it's not necessarily the size of the city. It's the size of the reach of the audience, right? Because, you know, um, you could have a fairly tiny city, um, technically that the radio station or TV station is in, but perhaps the signal goes for, you know, hundreds of miles, you know, so yeah. that may be bigger market size um, than just the city. And so, you know, you kind of climb the ladder, you know, when you, when you're, when you're starting out. So for example, I think, and, and the numbers may be different now, but the, the, the TV station in Marquette was like market size 178. And usually they only go up to 200. So it was like market oh. size and then Washington was like 122, 123, something like that. And San Diego is the top 25. Oh, and wow. so you're jumping a ton of markets. And what that means is there's going to be a lot more experienced people, um, you know, that you're competing against. If you're going to try to get into San Diego, normally there'd be one or two other markets that you would climb the ranks with before mm -hmm. you got to San Diego. Mm -hmm. But here I am, a newlywed going, well, this is where my husband lives and this is a beautiful place to live. So, and what, you know, what year just, was this? 
Uh, let's see. We got married in 2004. So it's probably, uh, that was at the end. We got married in November. So around 2005 okay. is when I really started looking for work. And at the time, um, I had put in some resumes because obviously I knew we were going to get married. I knew we were going to live in San Diego. So I started uh, putting out resumes pretty early, you know, once once we kind of knew our plans. Um, but it was difficult because usually TV stations, when they've got an opening, they've got an opening. They're not going to hold it for you, especially in a market size like San Diego, where, you know, there's a yeah. million people that want that job. Yeah. Right. But I have, I have a quick funny story to share kind of a, a blunder that I made early on. So I was sending out, um, I knew we were moving to San Diego and I was sending out resume tapes at the time. These were all VHS. We didn't do, Oh my gosh, DVD. We didn't do links online. Like we were sending out VHS tapes. And so I, and, and I only had like four or five TV stations in San Diego I could apply to. Right. Because mm -hmm. I, going to be right there in San Diego. There's only a handful of stations. And so uh, I was sending out a bunch of resumes and resume tapes. I was so excited. I got a phone call back from what was at the time the Fox station mm -hmm. in San Diego. And I remember, so the news director's name was Al Pando, P-A-N-D-O at okay. the time. Yeah. And so he was talking to me, talking to me. He's like, yeah, okay. So you're going to get married and then you're going to come out here. And I said, yeah. And he's like, well, you know, I think we have something for you. I can't hold it for you, but you know, at the very least you can start as a freelancer. Why don't you give me a call when, you know, when, when you're finally out here basically. And I said, oh, that's great. And right before we hung up the phone, he goes, and by the way, he's like in your letter to me, you actually called me Al Panda. <laughs> oh no. He's like, just know for the future that it's pan, you know, pando, pando. not panda. And the reason that's funny, like if, if anyone's, you know, from San Diego or familiar with San Diego, we've got the San Diego Zoo and we're known for our pandas. Oh. And so I don't know if subconsciously I was thinking like panda, but anyways, it's <laughs> one of those things I'll never forget. Cause you know, especially when you're applying for a journalism job, you need to get your facts straight. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And yeah. I, I remember just being blown away that this news director was still going to give me a shot after I called him panda instead of pando. Yeah. That's, um, that's awesome. I mean, that's, yeah. that's, and I love that he he was still you know he was still interested in in giving you a shot because I was I was amazed by it I was amazed that's really cool um, I I too I just hate when I I mean everybody does that sometimes right but just a typo mm -hmm. or something just so a couple of weeks ago in real time I um I posted an episode with Dan Weissman who does the Arm and a Leg podcast okay. all about healthcare and um. I inadvertently spelled his name wrong. There are two ends on the end of it. And I only did one. So the episode is out for like 24 hours. And um, he's like, hey, <laughs> actually, it was his <laughs> wife. It was um, his wife reached out. And she said, um, so Dan spells his name with two ends. And then she writes so many ends. It was super cute the way that she did it. So I didn't feel bad. Right. right. But, um, but I was like, oh, my God, it's so much easier to be on the I feel like it's so much easier to be the person whose name has been misspelled than to be the person. Yes. Who, you know, so but anyway, that's wonderful that that yeah, uh, that you still were given that opportunity. And did you actually were you able to take him up on that? Yeah, so I did. Okay, so husband and I got married, we did our honeymoon, and then we were back in San Diego. So I called up the news director and I started freelance reporting. Um, and that that was difficult. That's really difficult because the way they have things set up is that you get a set fee per day. It's a flat rate. Everybody gets the same if you're a freelance reporter. Mm -hmm. But the tricky thing is, is 
they, it's not a consistent schedule. So they could call you like any day and just be like, Hey, are you available? And you know how it is. Like the more you turn stuff down, the less they're going to call you. Yeah. So, I mean, they would call me the day of and be like, Hey, can you come in now? And I'm like, I mean, I didn't have kids or anything at the time, so my schedule was much more flexible, but I had other plans. I had other things, you know, that I was trying to do. And so um, that got old really quick. Um, (laughs) That's such a great way to say it. I mean, I'm not a quitter, but like, I also don't want to drive myself crazy, right? And I think you got to realize, you know, um, if something's driving you crazy, you got to fix it a little bit. And, And honestly, I wasn't getting as you know, because I wasn't being called as often, like I wasn't developing that camaraderie with the other people in the newsroom. Like it, there was a lot of stuff really missing. I always felt like an outsider when I was there. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I actually transitioned a little bit. I started um, I started writing for the morning news for that TV station. They were looking for a writer. And I said, you know, I know, you know, this is a little bit different than reporting. My thought process was, is that they didn't have a lot of reporters working in the morning because you had to get there like, you know, three, whatever, two 30 in the morning. Mm -hmm. So they didn't have a lot of people that wanted to do that. So I thought, well, if I start out writing, then maybe if there's breaking news or something they want to send me on, since I have the reporting background, they'll just send me. Um, that was my theory. (laughs) What ended up happening is I did that for a few months and like maybe once or twice did they send me out on a story and then it just became kind of boring for me. So, um, I'm I'm glad I did it. What, what, what was interesting about that and, and what I learned from that is, um, I, I kind of got in with the TV station, right? I, I knew the people and I developed a <clears throat> kind of like a, a dialogue with the woman who was heading up the programming department for the TV station. And later on, that led to me creating a television pilot that aired on the um, the Fox station. It's because of that relationship that I had yeah. with the program director. So you just never know, you know, like I like to try different things because you just never know how you might be able to spin that later on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, so, or how it might um, come back for you later on. You never know, yeah. right? Yeah. So um, anyways, yeah. So I, so I did start reporting for them and I, I was mainly a writer for them. And then it just kind of fizzled from there. And But that was good because at the same time, um, I had done that television pilot that I just told you about. And, mm-hmm. and that was all about things to do in San Diego. I was, I was um, really excited about living in San Diego, you know, coming from Marquette and these yeah. tiny towns. I was like, no, we're back in civilization. And so... <laughs> And so that was the idea. And then I found out real quickly how expensive it can be to, to do these independent programs. And at the same time, um, shortly after that, that pilot launched is when there were these rumblings of this, uh, this, this website called YouTube that people were putting oh, yeah. that was right when YouTube started gaining some popularity. And I thought, oh, my goodness, there's a source now that you're not bound by these markets, right? My my frustration was that, you know, I'd work in these cities and none of my friends and my parents, like nobody could see the content I was creating, right? Because it was just localized. And so I was like, oh my goodness, I can create content for this website and then everybody can see it. And I already had the background, you know, like, like we talked about earlier, I'd been taking out these cameras, you know, I knew how to create a story. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, you're like perfectly set up to do this. Yes. (laughs) I mean, 
one thing I had to figure out was all of my equipment and the stuff that I had, I think I had an old laptop, but the video camera that I had was a, a gift. My mom had got me when I graduated college. It was an analog camera. So wow. I literally, I went out <laughs> and I bought a book about how to video blog because that's what we were calling it at the time, mm -hmm. right? You're mm -hmm. video blogging. And I bought a book and, and there was a chapter in the book that talked about how to convert, <laughs> this is getting very techy, but how to convert your analog signal to a digital signal so you could use your, your equipment to be able to record it on your computer. And then from there, you could put it on YouTube. Oh my God, that's and, awesome. Yeah, and so that's where Inker and PJs came from. I mean, what people were saying in these books is like, you know, the big question is, well, what do I create a show about? I don't know, what, what do you do? And everyone kept saying, do what you know. Well, what had, I, what had I been doing? I had been interviewing people and talking to people and I thought, well, the internet's this crazy place, right? What would be the exact opposite of, you know, you think about a news reporter, the last thing you think about is a news reporter being in their pajamas, Yeah. right? So yes. I'm like, well, that's kind of crazy spin on stuff. Let's, let's see if that sticks. You know, and so I did kind of, I covered funny stories that were happening online and I would grab videos from YouTube to support the stories. And it was kind of like this SNL sketch. Honestly, if, if you Google Anchor and PJs, I'm sure something will pop up. You oh, know, I, I will see if I can, if I can find some links. Yes. <laughs> Um, I'm pretty sure I'm the only person that came out with a show called Anchor and PJ. So you, know you, be fine. you know what's really <laughs> funny is I I had assumed that A, that that was a podcast, not a YouTube show, and B, that you already had children and that the reason you were in PJs is because you had these kids. And so, you know, you know how, how it goes. <laughs> no. So how did no. you, how did you, um, did you start, did you have kids when you started podcasting? No. Oh no, that's not it. It literally started because I knew I didn't want to. Um, well, you know, I, I still love television. I still love television news. But mm -hmm. between my husband's work and my work, my husband works in public safety. And it just like our schedules, we never would have seen each other. We would have both been working every holiday. I, I, I wanted to take a step back from television because of um, the, the just the nature of the business. It's just so demanding. Yeah. And especially being in San Diego, there's so many people that want that spot. So uh, I knew we were going to have a family. And I just thought, you know, my family is going to be more important than me working at a TV station. I can just feel it. I just mm -hmm. know that. Right. And so I, I kind of had to make the decision before we started our family that I was going to try something different. And I thought, well, if I can just create content from the house, well, that's great. But yeah, technically, Acre and PJ started before we were even trying to have kids. Wow. So yeah. And, and that was just me playing around with the medium. I, I didn't know anything about it. Um, just what, you know, the news stories I'd seen online yeah. or whatever. And I remember I was so excited. When, once I created Anchor and PJs, I actually reached out to one of the local news stations. And I don't think it was the Fox station that I worked for, but one of them um, actually did a story on me. So that's so cool. I mean, because it was like a fun thing. You know, this is new thing. Oh, yeah, this girl's creating a show out of her backyard. It's called Anchor and PJs. Isn't this cute? <laughs> um, no, no, they wouldn't do it nowadays because now everyone creates Everybody's, shows. Yeah, right? there's but so many people at, doing it. Yeah. Right. But at the time, it was kind of a, a local story. And so um, that was kind of fun. But what, what that did for me, that was a daily show. 
Okay. Oh my goodness. And, and what that did for me, again, it, it, it kept my skills alive. And I think there's a, a valuable lesson um, for parents in all of this. And that is, even if, you know, if you're in that season of parenting where, you know, you, you don't have a traditional job or something like that, your career is kind of on hold, still doing something to keep your skills set up is just so valuable. Like yeah. I, there is no way that I would be where I am now if I didn't really push for that when my kids were really little. And even before I had kids, I knew I had to, especially in media, because media is constantly changing, right? And if you don't keep up with it, you fall behind. So I knew media was changing and I was like, well, even if I'm just doing this show for myself, I'm still learning, I'm still growing. And uh, yeah, so that's kind of how anchor and pjs came about and, and then from oh yeah go ahead. i was just gonna say the thing that's interesting is you talked about it as fun as well so it's not yeah. just oh i'm gonna do my duty and get my keep my skills up it's yeah. this is really fun and mm -hmm. at the same time i'm learning and i'm you know you're growing and sort of and keeping keeping connections open people are 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 still you're still top of mind i, I mean to me some of these things sound so like um like not good networky, you know what I mean? Like the, the just the phrases top of mind is not a phrase that I sort of use in my daily life, but yeah. it does it it but it counts. I mean it it matters here. You know what I mean? That is something yeah. that that you need. Um maybe not necessarily being top of mind, but but keeping up your skill set and doing it in a way that's fun. I mean that is something I can I can get behind. That's that's yeah. very cool. And don't yeah, you find that you do better if you're if you're curious and engaged in that way? that is playful. Yes. Yes. And, and I find that throughout the various projects that I've worked on, I kind of like being, you know, kind of getting into a space early and figuring out and you're going to make mistakes and that's okay. Cause everyone's still trying to figure stuff out. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I like that. I like the thrill of that, of, of trying to, to just play around with technology oh, and see awesome. what it can do and then see where the limits are. So, so. was there ever a moment for you, you know, where, where you've got the kids and you've got, <clears throat> you've got the the podcasting network and you've got, yeah. you know, you, you yourself work on several shows within it, right? It's not, sure. it's not, was there ever a moment where you were like, I just can't do this. Like, this is too <laughs> much. And if so, what'd you do about it? Yeah, well, I've definitely experienced that. In fact, Revive is a good example of, uh, and I can talk about that in a second, but of, of needing to put that show on hold while I focused on some other things. Um, when my kids were little, I, I started my first actual parenting podcast um, when I was pregnant with my first son. And, and it actually, I worked on somebody else's show first, which was helpful. So there was a local pregnancy podcast that was cool. um, taking place. And I, that was in 2010. And that's kind of how I got into it is, is I was doing some research and I discovered this podcast and I found out they were local to me. And so I just emailed them and I said, Hey, do you need somebody else? Cause the, the format of the show was you get a bunch of pregnant women together and they talk about a topic and it was like a round table discussion. Oh, that's awesome. And yeah. And so it was, it was local. And so he said, yeah, come on in whenever you want to. Well, I started, um, just volunteering and then from there, he, he, you know, I got to know the, the producer and he was like, Hey, you want to take on more responsibility? So then I ended up hosting and then that turned into really running the whole show. So it was good training. Like I, it was all volunteer, but yep. because I had this background and what else was I going to do when I was pregnant? Right. <laughs> I just I wanted mean, to talk about being pregnant. It was my first baby. Yeah. 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 So, it's such a huge focus of your life. <laughs> yeah. 
Exactly. And that, and that truly was a podcast that was just audio and, um, kind of got me thinking about just creating content that was just audio. And from there, um, the producer decided he didn't want to do the show anymore. And, but I still wanted to do it. I was in my prime of having babies. I mean, mm-hmm. I had my babies all at once, right? So I was, I'd had my first baby. Um, we were planning our second and I knew we were going to have several kids. And so I was like, well, I don't want to give this up. And so that's really when it came time for me to really think about, well, business-wise, what do I want to do here? You know, I, I didn't want to just have one show. I thought it'd be difficult to run a business just based on one podcast. Mm-hmm. So that that's really what launched me doing multiple shows at one time is I knew I wanted to build a business from this. So I launched several shows. Um, one was focused on pregnancy. One was focused on after you have your baby. And then I had another one that was focused on breastfeeding and pumping because that was something that I, you know, was passionate about and had a lot of questions about. I mean, there's kind of a theme here. Like I create shows about stuff that I want to know more information about. (laughs) Some of the best content gets created that way. That's how so many people work. In fact, I think it's probably how I work as well. Yeah, yeah exactly. You're, you're more curious. You yeah, know, you, yeah. those questions are really yours. You really want to know more about the topic. Yeah. And I, I think um, there's some of it is about making meaning for yourself as well. Like, yeah, trying to understand the meta, uh, you know, yeah. about about these topics. So, so sorry. Um, I, I interrupted. Uh, and I, I'm sure that you were on your way to telling us like, what? Yes. What did you do? when you got to the point where you were like, Oh, my God, I just can't do it all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in the beginning, the shows I thought really helped me. I mean, there were definitely times where I was like, I don't know if I can record anymore. Because these were, uh, you know, at, at one point, I had uh, five podcasts, and I wasn't hosting all of them, but I was producing all of them. And wow. I was editing all of them. And I had wee little babies. But honestly, um, it did get to a point where that got to be a little bit too much. But for the most part, that is really what kept me, I think, from maybe sliding into a postpartum, you know, depression kind of situation. I mean, it gave me something to look forward to. It gave me responsibility. I knew I had to get up in the morning and not just to take care of a little baby, but because people were counting on me. And I think that that really did help. Um, But there was a, a point when I was uh, actively producing and releasing new content for all of these shows. And these were all weekly shows. So I had five new episodes going out each week. They were for different podcasts, wow. right? All the shows were weekly, but I still had, it was like doing a daily I show. Mean, that's I five days of work, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and so what I started to do was um, really focus more on the money. And I, and I try not to do that. Like I'm one of those people that I hate you know, just thinking about money. I like to go into projects thinking about the creative side of it and, and, and how am I going to benefit emotionally from this? And how is this going to, um, enhance my skill set? And, and that's what I usually try to focus on when I enter a new project, but I knew that my time was limited. I knew that I wanted to spend as much time as possible with my family. And so I had to start thinking about things more from a business perspective, right? Mm-hmm. That was reason that I did, you know, started creating all these shows is that I wanted to make money. Um, and I wanted it to be something that I loved to do that I could do from home and that it could support my family. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I really had to put more of my business hat on, which is tough because I never taken business classes and stuff. I was a creative, you know, as yeah. far as I was concerned, yeah. but I really had to start thinking about that more. So the shows that didn't have sponsorship, I just cut back on production on those shows. And so instead of maybe doing a weekly show, it was bi-weekly. 
mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. Uh, meaning, you know, or bi-monthly. So twice a month. Right. Yep. yep. Um, and then from there, even that got to be a little too much. Right. And so I would start, you know, just cutting back that way until like, I did get to a point where I was only producing shows if they were sponsored. Um, and then to be honest, you know, before I launched the the actual network, because this this was kind of like my own little podcast production company. I hadn't launched the podcast network yet. I, I was just kind of a serial uh, creator of podcasts. Yeah, right? yeah. And so, um, so I did that for a while. And uh, but but I I saw the benefit of launching a show and then having you know, another show to be able to promote, uh, you know, your new content on and how that could grow an audience. Right. Um, and so I started thinking about creating the network side of things, but it, it got to a point where I was just pushing out all this content and it, it really wasn't working out. Um, I, 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 I basically quit producing shows for a while. I mean, I really did get to a burnout stage and, and, yeah. and I don't recommend pushing yourself that far, but, I did kind of get to that point. Um, but it, it was tricky because at the time I had just, I'd recently signed on with an advertising agency to help me find sponsorship for the show. So I was starting to delegate, which is good. Yeah. Right? <laughs> That's good. That's important. Right. So, um, but my, my overall podcast numbers were going down cause I wasn't releasing new content. Mm. And one of the things that I discovered, I, I mean, you, you know, it was probably about six months where I really wasn't creating new content. I was really just kind of focused on my family and the podcast numbers probably decreased by half. And I'm like, well, this is not what I wanted. Like I wanted to make money with the shows, but again, I wasn't releasing new content. Mm-hmm. So I talked to the agency and I said, I know this is kind of a podcasting no, no, at least it was at the time. But I said, I'm getting emails from listeners that are asking me to, you know, do an episode on a topic that I did two years ago. And that content is still good. I said, what if we just started repurposing the episodes? And so they were kind of, well, let's try it and see. And if you get a bad, you know, backlash from people, then don't do it. You know, I've always been a big fan of listening to your listeners. Like, I mean, oh, really yeah. take that into consideration when you're creating your show. If you don't have, you know, the support of your listeners, you really don't have a show. And that, and, you know, and, and, you know, whether that's two listeners or 2000 listeners or 20,000, it doesn't matter. Like, um, you know, you can certainly do your show just for you, but you know, if you're trying to grow it and stuff, really listen to your listeners. Yeah. And so, um, I started, that's what repur- I do too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I started repurposing the content. So I would take down an episode and, um, re-release it. And, re- I did that for years. In fact, I still do that to this day. I pepper it with some new episodes here and there, but I'm not in full production on any of those shows. Um, And would you know that I make way more money repurposing content than I do creating new episodes? So that's something to think about because you can, you can think to yourself, you know, like, oh, it's got to be new. It's got to be new. It's got to be new. In fact, I'm a person. So I have found that um, I, uh, like in terms of podcast creation, I used to do many more shows a month. I used to do six shows per month instead of just four. Right. And um, I was getting burned out. And and I thought to myself, like, what's this going to if I if I scale back, will I alienate people who, who mm. now aren't getting the same amount of, of you know content? And I basically did an episode where I said, you guys, I'm really sorry, but I have to do this. Like, yeah. otherwise, there won't be a show kind of a thing. And first of all, the emails that I got back were so heartfelt and wonderful. And basically, like, take care of yourself. We're here. It's okay. And then um, that 
that that brought the downloads up. And I think it's because I was able to concentrate more. It wasn't just a frantic making of stuff. You know what I mean? It wasn't just frantic recording of episodes. It was it was more um, heartfelt. What do people really need? You know, what's going to help them most? And Mm -hmm. um, so I totally get that. I think uh, I think that's that was a very, very good decision. Um, And I can't believe our time is is super short. Um, and I wanted to ask, just thinking about the podcast network um, and Revive, I think, because Revive is a special part of that. And you, you were saying it's on hiatus. It will be back in January. Is that right? Yes, January. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I guess what I'm thinking about is for the, for our listeners who are parents of young children, are there... Um, when I think about the different shows on the on on Parents on Demand, the podcast network, yeah, what what comes to mind for you in terms of like what will they find over there when they go to listen? Like what what um, what is there for them uh, that that they you know sort of might want or need in their in their kind of daily lives? Because I know there's a lot, and I guess what I'm wondering is can you can you choose a couple of a couple of shows maybe to focus on that that you have found really helpful or that you are hearing is really are really helpful? Yeah, I mean, so for shows to give a little bit of background to be on the network, there is definitely a vetting process. You know, we don't we don't take every show. I, I go through the shows that apply, and I talk to the producers of the show, and I try to get to know them a little bit. Um, and and there are some definite things that I look for in the shows and, and bringing them over. So the first thing is that they're all family friendly, mm-hmm. right? So you're not going, you know, if, if a show is considered explicit, they're not going to be on our network. That was really important to me to. Mm-hmm. Uh, for you to be able to listen along with your kids. Now, there is some medical content out there that I do sometimes recommend the shows. I'm like, eh, if you're going to talk about having like the birthing process, you're going to get very, very specific like that, then maybe you should mark that one episode as explicit. But if there's anything explicit, it's it's more for, you know, you're talking about body parts and stuff like that. Yeah, or or things that are like really hard to talk about. So Exactly, exactly, that you may not want your kids to listen to, but it's never because someone's dropping an F-bomb, right? Yeah. Um, So that's really important to me. And I want all the shows to be relatable. You know, I, I want them, you know, we're talking a little bit earlier about being honest with your audience. I mean, Karen, that was a great example um, of you uh, being able to go back to your audience and say, listen, this is something, you know, I can't produce the episodes as much as possible. That kind of um, realism and honesty, um, I think is really important when you're talking to parents, because that's really what parents need. Yeah. Um, and so I try to make sure the shows on our network are very authentic. You're not going to get, you know, something that, you know, is like, oh, radio personality, that's just talking to you like this. Yeah. And it's very, you know, it's very superficial. Like, I, I really want to the shows to connect, right? Um, obviously, the production value is important. That, that, is, that doesn't mean the shows are perfect. You know, things happen. As you know, Karen, you're producing a show or you're recording a show. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you do your best. Sometimes, yeah, you as, do your best, sometimes as you said, us, you, you hear your kids in the background and that's you, life, you know? <laughs> that happens to me more often than I would like. But yeah, <laughs> or a dog is barking or something. But, you know, I think that that goes back to shows being very real, yes. you know? And so instead of freaking out when my dog is barking, I'm like, well, guys, that's fizzy. That's my dog. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the mailman's outside, you yeah. know? So I, I think all that's really important. Um, we're actually in the process now of, of changing things up with the network 
network. When, when I think, you know, in, in creating the network, um, I wanted it to be something that um, obviously parents could benefit from. It was kind of the idea was that it's a one stop shop for parents. So if you really like to listen to podcasts or perhaps you're more of, you know, a, a person that, that you know, scours, you know, the parenting blogs and you haven't really given podcasting a try. Um, I wanted this to be a one stop shop. So if you found one show that you liked, you could be confident that the other shows on the network were of the same caliber because yeah. the one thing that we don't have um, as parents is enough time. We never have enough time, right? Yeah. So we may love podcasts, but podcasting is still in, in, in this stage where discovery, I think, is really difficult. Uh, the beauty is that anyone can create a show, but that's also its downfall because as parents, we don't have a lot of time to separate you know, the, the shows, you know, that, that maybe aren't as high of caliber, you know, yes. fr from the other shows. And so um, we could, as parents, become very uh, frustrated by that and even give up podcasting because we can't find the right stuff. So with Parents on Demand, the idea was let's create a safe space you know, safe space really for, you know, the, the parents where they can find a ton of great content. Um, I mentioned that the, the network's kind of morphing right now. We, we launched when we launched three years ago, it was all parenting content. Mm -hmm. And we're now transitioning a little bit to bring on different types of categories. All of the shows are still going to be parent centric. Mm -hmm. But for example, um, I mean, there was a ton of great shows out there that parents are doing. They talk about parenting in their show, but it's not a parenting show. Maybe it's a show about, you know, how to be a work from home, you know, a work from home mom or a, a working mom, you know, mm -hmm. that works, a, you know, at a regular job. Or maybe it's a show about, um, how to handle finances with your family. So it's more of a financial show or something like yeah, that. Yeah, we're, we're starting to bring on more categories like that because <clears throat> as a parent, I know I don't always want to listen to parenting content. You know, I produce parenting content. So if I'm just relaxing, maybe I want to listen to a show that's more focused on health, yeah. but it still has that parenting, you know, a, a mom is doing it and, and she brings her stories about her kids into the show as yeah. well. Um, so we're expanding right now. Oh, so, that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I think that's going to lead to a lot of cool things um, down the line. Yeah, I I agree. Um, and I I mean, just a just a final and we are actually running a little bit over now. And for that, I apologize. Um, but it's just um, the reason is because I feel like this has just been such a great conversation. And I, I, I um, the last thing I want to uh, just talk just a little bit about is revive itself. So I can say yeah. from the perspective of a person who's a guest on it, you really do get that sense of it's a it's a it's a live recorded rate. It's like a recorded live radio show. So if you haven't mm -hmm. listened to this show yet, um, it's it's a whole bunch of people. It feels like you're in a room with a whole bunch of people, and it's just a great conversation about um, whatever the topic at hand is. So so I've been on there to talk about. Um, I'm trying to think. One of them was like how to uh, beat the summer, like not the summer blahs, but the kind of like, what can we do in summer that that will be fun? And yeah. Um, and then and then there's somebody, you know, who's on there talking about uh, it. Speaking of summer, how do you like a pediatrician? Right. I think it was Dr. Yeah. Mike who was on there to yeah, talk about ticks and and mm -hmm. and and how to protect yourself from those things and sunburn and, and swimming and all that, all that kind of stuff. And then you know, so there's definitely things for parents to listen to that are parent centric. And then we got to play a game. And then <laughs> it's just so like, it's just fun. But like, in a sort of, 
I don't know, a wholesome, I hate the word wholesome because it just sounds yeah. so, so twee, but yeah. it, it's, it's, um, it's like the kind of fun that I'm up for now as a mom who isn't going to be listening to the same things that I listened to perhaps when I was 20. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, yeah. And it just, there's, so you've created a real family over there and, um, and I am so excited to be, to be a part of it. And also I got to listen to one day, the first day that you went to Facebook, um, I listened to your conversation when when you brought Janine Halloran on the show. So she's been on oh, my yeah, show yeah. three times. She's actually sponsoring our show now. Um, she she's oh, created an incredible product that um, it's it's a bunch of decks of cards that have different actions your child can take when they are feeling upset or you know having trouble coping and um she so she's a huge friend of the we turned out okay podcast and i was i was i loved hearing her on your on your show um so that was it's just so cool i love revive and i can't wait for it to come back yeah that so. you know the idea behind the show it, i was really trying to draw from my my radio experience my tv experience i obviously love doing daily content yep. and um there was i felt like there was something missing in, in the marketplace, if you will, where, you know, I, I would take my kids to school every day and I would hear like a radio personality saying stuff. And I was like, wouldn't it be cool if there was something we could tune into that was really just kind of focused on parents. But again, kind of the, the same idea as the network. It wasn't just parenting content because as parents, we need a break from that. Yeah. You know, we don't, don't want to just be preached about how to parent our kids. Yeah. We have other interests. And so, um, you know, the, the idea was, and this is kind of a saying that I say with the show, if people ask me, well, you know, what's, what's your elevator pitch or whatever for Revive? I say, you know, if morning radio and a parenting podcast had a baby, that's yes. revised. You know, it has that morning kind of feel to it and uh, the flexibility. And of course, it's live. So, yeah, sometimes we make mistakes and flunders and, you know, it's okay because that's fine. just it's better. part of having, yeah, a live show. And, yeah. and, we call our guests and, 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 and so we're, um, you know, we're trying to create something different here. And, you know, in the podcasting space, we see more and more shows trying to do this live stuff. And again, you know, that's part of my background. I'm like, well, great. I have live experience. How do we do this? I mean, yeah. the, the, the whole path of how to do a live show still hasn't been hundred percent ironed out. No one's figured out exactly how to do this if you don't have all the technology, but I feel like that's where I was when I started podcasting. Yeah. We didn't have the answers back then either. It was just get in there, you know, and try to figure it out. And yeah, you make some mistakes and roll with the punches yeah. and keep the stuff that works and, yeah. you know, refine the stuff that doesn't work. And be and, and just so, be open um, to it and have some fun with it. Yeah. Yeah. Just kind of play around with it. And so the show's been a ton of fun. We um, we decided to take a little bit of a hiatus just to kind of do some more planning. And and the show has has really evolved from what we originally thought it was going to be. And sometimes, especially when you're doing daily content, you know, you, you may need to take a break in order to figure things out because you'll get behind, yeah. you know, if you don't have that extra time. And so that's where we're at right now. And, uh, but it, it's really exciting. It, it's probably one of the most fun shows I've ever done. Um, and I'm really hoping it shakes up the space and there's some really mm. good things, you know, in store for it in 2020. I love it. So actually our show, we are recording this in September, but it, it will be at least October. It could even be November before it's out. So okay. if you're listening to this and as it's dropping, you know, you can be getting all excited because Revive is, is coming back <laughs> and yeah. I'm excited about it too. 
Yeah, and the website is revive.show. So if you want to check it out, you know, we'll have more information up there by the time this is, you know, this episode is released. And so if you're wondering how to how to listen to the show and, and how to get access to it, just go to revive.show. Excellent. And I'm linking to that in the show notes as well. Awesome. So Sunny Galt, it has been such a pleasure to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, thank you, Karen. This has been a ton of fun. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. And you listening, you can find Sunny um, in a couple of different places. I feel like we've 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 covered both personal and network stuff. So I'm going right. to give you both of these, and then they'll be available in the uh, in the show notes as well. So SunnyGalt.com, S-U-N-N-Y-G-A-U-L-T.com, is where you can find out all about Sunny. And um, then ParentsOnDemand.com, just spelled exactly like it sounds is where you can find uh, the the network. And now we have revive.show as well. So three places for you to connect with Sunny. Um, Again, it's been such a pleasure. I've loved every minute of this conversation. Thank you so much for being on the show. You're welcome. Thank you, Karen. And thank you so much for listening. It means so much to both of us. I know that it means a lot to Sunny as well as me to have us in your ears right now. Go to weturnedoutok.com for the whole back catalog, which is now when we're going to be over 300 episodes, I believe, when this one comes out. So that's exciting. Um, to work closely with me by becoming a ninja parent, that's another reason to go to weturnedoutok.com. To join my email group so that you get my weekly email newsletter, which is full of stories, tools, and ideas to help you as you raise your kiddos. That comes out every Wednesday. And finally, I have got a special thanks today to our producer, the man who makes this show sound amazing and who's raised along with me two pretty amazing kids if I do, in my completely objective opinion. The 22-time winner of the Husband of the Year Award, Benjamin Culp. Again, thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time. Thank you for listening to We Turned Out Okay. I want a date to Australia. Find us on the web at weturnedoutok.com, where you'll find show notes and more. What do you call cheese that's not yours? Nacho cheese. And remember, we only go around once. To be the best parents we can be, let's relax and enjoy the ride. I want to pee in the woods. Theater, 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 theater,